Welcome to the Speaking Light into Abortion podcast, where I talk about all the reasons it's possible for you to thrive after your abortion. I'm your host, Amanda Kingsley, and two years after my own abortion, I certified as a life coach so I could serve women after abortion in all the ways they've been deserving and lacking for centuries. Consider this your launchpad for finding strength and community in yourselves and in each other. Okay, welcome, welcome. I'm super excited today to have Nicole um, Barati here. And your, tell me again the Facebook page that people are following you at, because you just started directing them to a new Facebook page, right? Yes, so I'm Sex Talk with Nicole. Sex Talk with Nicole. How good is that, you guys? I am super excited about this podcast episode because sex after abortion was a big deal for me. And Nicole and I actually already had a conversation about this a little bit on her podcast. So make sure you listen to her podcast, Sex with Nicole. Um, And you can hear, you know, two conversations about a similar topic, as is like the way with my podcast. What I'm actually going to do today is read an excerpt from my book that I wrote. I probably wrote this a year and a half ago, and I hadn't looked at it in a really long time because my book is a long story and (laughs) it's a work in progress. And I hadn't really worked with it in a while. And so meeting Nicole and being introduced to her and her work brought me back to this section of the book. And in my book, um, as some of you know, who are long time or not long time, but who are steady listeners of the podcast or my work, you know a couple things. And for those of you who don't, I'm going to tell you a couple of things before we start today. One is that I have a pretty open relationship with who I call my abortion baby, right? I've even named her. Her name is Grace. Um, but in my book, I plan at this point to start each chapter with a dear baby letter. And that's how I wrote most of my books so far. So when I start reading my blog posts for today, it's going to start with a dear baby letter. So that's the first time I've really introduced that concept to the podcast. So yay, Nicole, you get first access to dear baby. (laughs) Um, I'm so excited. I know, right? It's crazy. And the other thing I wanted to mention before I start reading my um, blog post or whatever book excerpt from today is that, and I've mentioned this on other podcasts, I call my pregnancy a result of the immaculate IUD removal because, and I don't know if Nicole and I will end up talking about birth control, but in a conversation about sex, we probably will. Um, my unplanned pregnancy came after two years with an IUD and it fell out without me knowing, which is like been so crazy for me, um, because I consider myself so in tune with my body and I just like so much of my shame after my abortion was like, how did I not know this happened? Like, how did this happen? How did I get pregnant? So, um, I'm going to start with the dear baby letter, which includes the immaculate IUD removal. So this is going to be an interesting podcast. I'm super pumped. Are you ready, Nicole? <laughs> She's got to unmute here, but that's okay. I'm going to assume you're ready. Oh, there I she is. Ready? Yes. She's ready. I'm going to assume she's ready, and I'm going to start with, "Dear baby, please don't come back. 
that's a pain I'm not sure I'm strong enough to bear. I took down the uterus not open for conception sign and replaced it with uterus definitely not open for conception. This time I sewed it in place, less chance for confusion. I want to meet you, but let's find another way. XOXO Amanda slash mom. So I am sure that more than a few of you are wondering what came next after the immaculate IUD removal in my story. How exactly does one go back to having good sex after one of the most feared women's health realities, the dreaded unplanned pregnancy? I'm not going to lie, sex after abortion sucked for a good long while. It sucked more than any other sex I've had. There was a vague similarity to sex after childbirth, but laced with heavier doses of fear. Regardless of my gratitude for abortion as an option and my stronger than ever pro-choice ethics, the last thing I wanted was to have a second abortion. The thought of having to go back to my OBGYN office and confess another unplanned pregnancy was nearly enough for me to start sleeping in a straitjacket. Only problem was that what I needed most in this tender time was deep connection with my husband. I needed to know that we were going to be okay, that we weren't broken, and that life would in fact go on after abortion. Intimacy was my next step to freedom. The first time was a dance of careful connection. He didn't want to break me and I didn't want to be broken. Suddenly, sperm and egg felt like ammonia and bleach. Mixing the two had a toxic and life-threatening potential. After full-term childbirth, sex was as much a physical readjustment as an emotional one. Having just pushed a tiny human body out my vagina, I was nervous about what it would feel like again. Would something tear? Were all the parts back in place? Had I stretched so much there would be no feeling at penetration? This time, after an abortion that was no more physically monumental than a heavy period, my fear was a jumbled mess of emotions. I didn't push a baby's head through my vagina, but it felt like I pushed the weight of a thousand years of women's oppression and fear through my heart. I was terrified by the consequences of what having sex really meant. 20 years of safe sex were washed away by the flood of the abortion experience. I kept a journal in the month following the termination, and I wrote after the first time we had sex, sex is scary. I don't trust my body. What if? The first intercourse after abortion ended in me sobbing. And just like he has since I've met him, he held me in his safe arms and allowed it to be what it was. He didn't ask me lots of questions or run away. He just held me while I cried. What I needed was to be loved for exactly who I was in that moment. He loved me in all my strength and weakness, and I loved him so deeply for walking the path with me. Sometimes the most healing things in life don't look that way from the outside. A couple of naked parents in a disheveled bed is far from picture-perfect canvas. 
but having sex after abortion, regardless of the fear, was in fact beautiful. There was so much healing in that exchange. Now, three years later, we are closer than we've ever been, and sex is better than it's ever been before. Our abortion really did make us stronger. The end. <laughs> That's the end of story time, Nicole. <laughs> That is so beautiful. I love what you said. I love it. Every word of it is just gorgeous. Yeah, what a trip. And so I talk in the book a little earlier about how I had put up a sign. You know, when I got my ID, IUD, to me it felt like, okay, this is a sign, soul babies. You're not coming in this uterus. <laughs> right, right. And she did. And I was like, hello, you missed the sign. <laughs> It yeah. must have fallen down. Yeah. Um, yeah. Some crazy shit after abortion. So let's talk about it. Yeah. So for a lot of women, sex after abortion is almost like the same feeling as when she lost her virginity. And, you know, is it going to be special? Is it not going to be special? All of these questions kind of start flooding the brain about what sex will be like when. I go back to it when I return to it. And a lot of women wait, wait a long time after having an abortion yeah. or after having childbirth. After childbirth, it's recommended six weeks, but a lot of women wait even longer. And a lot of it stems from fear. Yeah. Fear of the same things that you mentioned, but also the fear of, will it be special? Will I cry and sob at the end? Um, will I be able to finish? Will I be able to have an orgasm? Yeah. yeah. With all these feelings and thoughts racing through my head. Yeah, it is so complicated. And I know we like barely touched on this on the podcast we did together on your show too, but like there's just I feel like more than anything else after abortion, like this had more layers, more like pieces to uncover, more surprises, more it just like felt so complicated in like physical ways and emotional ways, just like the many layered like discovery. Right. I think it's really important to realize that you don't have to right any wrongs of being a sexual person when you return to sex after having an abortion. Yeah. Right. And that's that piece of like feeling broken, right? Exactly. At least for me, like I felt broken. I felt like, wait a second. <laughs> I put up the sign. The baby came anyway. Like something must be wrong with me. Right. And that's where my shame, I had so much shame for having gotten pregnant. Like I didn't have shame about my abortion per se, but like I had so much shame. Like I must be broken. If I got pregnant, I must be broken. I was like, what? And if right. I'm broken, like, is that going to come back? Is that going to keep happening? Right. And in getting to know you, I realized, you know, you're a pretty progressive thinker. And I think it's important to know that sex is not bad. Sex can obviously bring about a baby and that's not necessarily a bad thing. And having to make that decision to have an abortion is not a bad thing. It's all just part of the consequences of what could happen yeah. and knowing that you have those options. Yeah. Yeah. So. I feel like that's so much of the healing work I did 
afterwards was like bringing abortion to this place of neutral. Like it's a thing that happens right? versus like, it's a thing with a stigma and with attachments and with meaning and with, and yes, it has meaning. I have a lot of meaning in my life, but not in a way that like it in and of itself doesn't say anything about me or about other women. Exactly. It's just a thing that happens. It's healthcare. What I love about you is that you're like the rock star of this abortion belongs to me. <laughs> I own it, baby. <laughs> you do. You own it. And you're great with it. You're great with owning it. Yeah. Well, I feel like I actually just had this conversation with my daughter recently. Um, we weren't talking about abortion, but I used this as an example to say like, you know, I was strong enough to be able to use my voice in this way. And so it feels like a calling to me that I have the strength to talk about it in this way. And so for me to not do that would feel like something was missing. Right. And I, I like, I feel like I say this a lot on the podcast and in general, it's not everybody's calling to get out there and shout your abortion, right. To talk about it. Um, But for those of us who can, for those of us who feel strong enough to handle whatever comes after we talk about sex and abortion or shame and abortion or guilt and abortion, Mm -hmm. um, we get to open the playing field for more people to to feel safe and feel comfortable and feel loved. That's right. That's right. And that's why I talk about sex so openly. Oh my God, I love it. It's a taboo subject as well. And I was meeting a friend for coffee yesterday and she was like, Nicole, your topics make me want to just crawl under the covers. (laughs) And we're sitting in Starbucks, just like talking about anal sex. And she's like, Nicole, lower your voice. (laughs) Well, we all got here one way or another. So it wasn't anal sex how we got here. Let's just lay that out. (laughs) But we're all here as a product of sex. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. So I have some questions for you about sex after abortion that I don't even really know the answers to because my, my area of expertise in abortion is really what's the mental health picture look like? What's the emotional health picture like? But I don't know like the actual like science. And so I'm curious because you are a woman of like hormone knowledge. (laughs) Let's talk about the hormones after abortion and how they also affect sex after abortion, like emotionally, mentally, and physically. Like talk to me about hormones. (laughs) Okay. So the hormones that got you pregnant are oxytocin and progesterone and estrogen. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you got pregnant while you were ovulating. What they don't teach us in sex ed is that your hormones spike when you're ovulating and that spike is for about 24 hours. So you can only get pregnant 24 hours out of the month. <laughs> it's insane. Yeah. Well, they tell us that we can get pregnant all the time, anytime, (laughs) any day of the month. Not true. And so then your hormones start to descend after ovulation so that you can then get your period or they stay elevated so that your pregnancy 
can progress. Yeah. So when you end the pregnancy, it's very similar to the same hormone decrease that happens after childbirth. Except after childbirth, it's more of a normal descent where it's a slower downhill progression. In the case of abortion, it comes to an abrupt ending, mm. which I believe, and this is just my belief, can lead to more of the emotional fragility. Mm. Because the the change in hormonal production is so quick versus natural. Right, right. and involuntary. Yeah. yeah. Any difference, and you may not know the answer to this because you know this may not be your place, but any difference between a medical abortion and a surgical abortion, or is it just like pregnancy ended, change in hormones? Pregnancy ended, change in hormones is my guess. Yeah. 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 Again, I'm not a doctor. I didn't go to medical school to learn the difference between surgical and medical abortion. Yeah, totally. Me either. I mean, this is not my playing field either. Mm-hmm. And I think that's perfectly okay. Like we're two people talking about it and we're, if we need to know the answer, we look it up just like you, the right. listeners, right? If you need to know the answer, you look it up or you ask mm-hmm. someone in that area of expertise, um, which is also really important when we're, when we're having these conversations is like, we don't have to know it all. Just know what you know and be willing to learn or be schooled, right? Someone might message me and be like, so that's not how it works. And that's okay. Like I'm just here and showing up and learning just like you, the listeners. Right. Um, But that abrupt ending to the hormone fluctuation is going to take a toll on any woman. Yeah. Absolutely. From a hormonal perspective. And do you know, like hormonally, how many weeks or months we're talking before you, is it, because I feel like some women get their periods back pretty quickly, but mm-hmm. there's still some kinds of hormonal imbalance, or is it just, <laughs> you know, like the fine lines, right? Like, is it at that point an emotional imbalance, but once you get your regular period back, the hormones, that's a sign that the hormones have come back to I don't believe that the hormones have, I don't believe that the return of the period has anything to do with the emotional healing of the hormones, the effect that the hormones have on emotions. I think that every woman is different. So what we're sort of talking about is postpartum mood disorder. Yeah. Yeah. Right. right. And just because you don't have a baby doesn't mean you're not experiencing this. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I had a miscarriage and I had, I had postpartum depression after having my child 14 years ago, almost 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I had a miscarriage about eight years ago. And after that miscarriage, I felt the exact same way that I did after having postpartum depression and postpartum psychosis with my 14 year old. Wow. Wow. And the feelings were so similar. And after the miscarriage, I went to my doctor and I told my doctor this story and my symptoms. And he said, Oh no, that's impossible. And dismissed how I was feeling. And I was said, I know the signs. I recognize it. The difference though, was that with my first child, I had those symptoms for 18 months. Mm. After the miscarriage, I only had them for a few weeks. Right. 
Which is, again, there's probably many layers as to why. Right. It could just be timing, the support difference that I had. Um, It could be the length of the time that I was pregnant for each. I don't know. Or just the other responsibilities on your plate left different amounts of room for healing. Right. And self-care. Right. Yeah. Right. Very different experiences. All right. Well, I have some other questions for you, unless you have anything else to say about how hormones are affecting sex after abortion. No. Okay. (laughs) I heard you thinking. (laughs) I I mean, I could talk for days about this, especially population and desire for sex. There are just so many layers that it could be a workshop. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Right. And that you know, just like all feelings are open and acceptable and normal and healthy and to be looked at after abortion, like, so are all lengths of time that it takes for you to get your sex drive back. Like, you know, yes. it's going to be different for every woman. Um, yes. And it's about like, how are you willing to face it and look at it and find answers for yourself? Not like, how does someone else's answers apply to you? Right. Yeah. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, so the little bit of topic change I want to shift to here before we wrap up is let's get into like the deeper intimacy and will, I feel like my willingness and I'll just use myself as an example and let listeners, um, or you, if you have, um, <clears throat> thoughts about your personal experience, Let's talk about the vulnerability, right? So sex after abortion to me was super vulnerable. It was like really raw, really, really raw. And that it was interesting when you said that about virginity, because I hadn't, like for me, I'd made the connection um, to sex after childbirth, but I hadn't really put that piece together, which is kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, my willingness to be vulnerable and open and my surrender, I guess, is the word that comes to mind for the experience to be what it was and to trust him um, is what allowed us to get to be stronger on the other side. So I want to hear from you some more about that in general, because a lot of listeners are like, all right, let's talk about trust and surrender and vulnerability in sex in general, Mm -hmm. not just after abortion. So yeah, what are your thoughts about that? I think, first of all, how your husband was so supportive is amazing. And I wish that more partners were on the same page as your husband. Totally. You know, I feel like whether it's after childbirth or it's after an abortion or a miscarriage, it's like, okay, so what? That's behind us now. Let's move on. Yeah. Yeah. And that's also how a lot of women deal with it. You know, like I should feel awful, shouldn't I? I don't feel awful. I'm ready to have sex again. But the majority of us feel that vulnerability and that fear and the need to be supported and to make the first time or the first few times after childbirth, abortion, miscarriage, to be special mm-hmm. and to be, you know, not raw sex, but to be made love to. Mm-hmm. 
in that caring, soft, gentle way. Yeah, and it's like when you can get into that space, you're opening a door. Right. Like you're opening a door you wouldn't otherwise have open to you um, to do some really deep inner healing work. And I think what's interesting about sex, and I'm curious about your opinion, is that because it's like this emotional, physical, mental experience, it has the power, I guess this is the word that's coming to mind, but it has the power to deepen the healing right like we can, like I don't know it's like kind of supercharged <laughs> yes place to do the work um when you were just talking I was thinking for listeners who had an abortion in their past whether it was months ago or maybe it's in their future or years ago or many decades ago maybe I think we can all kind of go back as if it were the first time and open those doors again with the intention and the awareness and the kind of step into a future sexual experience exactly with this intention to heal like exactly there's nothing wrong with you if the first few times after you had sex were terrible and they caused more harm or more hurt or more damage or whatever it was and if for years and years you've been struggling with sex like that's okay like it is what it is we can't change that now but you can move forward yes and, and I think choose. communication is key yeah. to being able to move forward having that conversation with your partner about your needs and what you need to heal in a sexual way yeah yeah. And I think also like, uh oh, there's my squeaky office chair. I'm not supposed <laughs> to move when I'm podcasting or it squeaks. <laughs> ah, there it goes again. Um, I think there's two levels to that. Like we can go into future sexual experiences with that communication with ourself, where we may not even say the words to our partner. Like, you know, there's some things that I'm like, wanting to release and open up to and heal from um through our intimacy so we can have that conversation with ourselves and or with our partner would you agree like i agree yeah you don't absolutely. have to have an open relation like an open conversation. super open conversation with a partner mm -hmm. about mm -hmm. your abortion to be able to do this work no would that be amazing sure that sounds amazing. Um, but I think I would want our listeners who don't feel like they have that open communication with a partner, at least right. yet, to, to know that you can go in having that conversation with yourself and it can still be super healing and super powerful. Exactly. And I love that you journal about the abortion. And I, I highly recommend having that conversation with yourself about your abortion. But when I mean, talking to your partner about your sexual needs, not necessarily about the abortion and the abortion experience, Yeah. but discussing with your partner and having that open conversation about your needs in the bedroom Yeah. and having your sexual needs met. Have you watched any of the Netflix um, Goop series? Gwyneth Paltrow? Not yet, but it's on my list. Okay, so she does this great <laughs> exercise that 
I feel like I've probably seen before, but it didn't strike me the same way. Um, the episode about pleasure, um, someone in someone facilitating the group does this exercise where they partner up and give each other a hand or foot massage. And that using that experience to explain to the partner, who in this case is not like an intimate sexual partner, it's just like a partner in the group. Right. Um, using that experience to say what feels good, to explain, you know, what, what feels uncomfortable, what feels good, what I want more of, what you can do differently. And just watching them move through this in that series with a hand massage, I was like, wow, that's some super powerful stuff. That's a great idea. It was amazing. I was like, that's so simple and obvious. <laughs> I'm the first to admit I'm not a big goop fan, but I do like that idea. Yeah. Well, I had, I had super mixed feelings about the whole thing and I've, I've actually learned a lot about, um, I think there's a lot of good things happening and like anything it's complicated, right? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that was amazing to watch. And I think we can do that with anything, right? Like it doesn't have to be even as intimate as a hand massage, right? We can just wake up in the morning and be like, I'm going to be more open and honest with my partner about how we want to parent our kids together or what we right. want to eat for dinner or anything. It's just like start somewhere and practice using your voice to express what you want or don't want um, and then let it evolve from there. I agree. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. All right. Good stuff. Good, good stuff. Good stuff. Mm -hmm. Anything else you want to share with listeners before we, before we wrap up here um, about sex after abortion and healing? Um, no, just exactly what we talked about today, you know, communication about your needs when it comes to sex and make it special. Yeah. And whether it's in the future or your abortion is in the past. Yeah. You know, reconnect with yourself sexually and with your partner. Yeah. Beautiful. All right. Well, I'm super into this podcast being a place we just have normal, healthy, open conversations. Um, but Nicole, because you are a professional in the world <laughs> with professional expertise and things that people might want to reach out to you for, um, let's talk about how you might be able to help women who are listening and where they can find you. I help women who want to reconnect with their partners or with themselves, mm -hmm. either um, hormonally or through the pelvic floor, also dating and relationships. Nice. So I have four levels of coaching. I'm also a functional nutritionist. So I take my hormone work and pelvic floor work to a nutrition level as well as an emotional and lifestyle level. Yeah. My website is sextalkwithnicole.com and I'm all over social media as Sex Talk with Nicole. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> just like, let's just get right out there and Google Sex Talk with Nicole. Super yeah. easy. You will find her, I promise. And if you don't, reach out to me. Um, thank you so thank much, you. Amanda. Yeah, thank you so much. Really, really good stuff. And I'm super excited to air this episode. I'm looking forward to hearing it. All and right. Sharing it with all my people. Until next time. 
Thanks for listening. And as always, please consider sharing, rating, and reviewing this podcast. It helps me reach a wider audience and invites more people to thrive after abortion. If you're someone who chose abortion and find yourself struggling, hiding, or wishing you could move beyond your experience, head over to my website and book a free call. We'll talk about how you can start living the life you made your choice for.